Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome to Launch Indonesia Podcast. Today I'm interviewing Mohammed Hassan of Marnd Studio, M A R N D Studio. Uh, Hassan is the director of Mind Studio and it's a product design agency incorporated in Scotland but operating uh, amongst other locations out of Indonesia. And I sat down with Hassan at my house, relaxed in the studio here, to discuss his entrepreneurial journey and the reasons why he ended up in Indonesia, how he's running his business, what kind of clients he's sourcing, and how he intends to grow this business. So enjoy the interview with Mohammed Hassan. So welcome, Hassan, to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. Good, good to have you here. Uh, Hassan's over at my house. I'm very happy to have you here. Um, we tried to do the recording over Skype, but one of the reasons why it didn't work because you had a 3D printer running in the background. Yeah, it's right. And that has something to do with what you do here. So yeah, exactly. maybe you can explain a little bit about what your business is about and uh, what you do in Indonesia, actually. Okay. So basically, uh, we run a, a product design studio. So we design physical products. Uh, sometimes have electronics. Uh, sometimes need uh, software, and but most, for the most parts, we obviously need like the mechanical parts. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, we started off like uh, working on the aerospace products, but then because of the the market is very competitive and actually it's very complicated uh, and need a lot of paperwork, so we moved into the product design, and then from the product design, uh, we have this uh, we had this option to to be located in one place, which uh, was in Malaysia. So basically, all the team will be in one place. But uh, this advantage is that uh, you, you you cannot access talents elsewhere if you mm-hmm. are only uh, working in house. So we outsourced everything. Like we tried to have a team uh, from all over the globe, and then I had the option to live where, wherever I want. So I chose uh, somewhere where it's like more safe and uh, it's like uh, quieter and everything is better. So uh, yeah, I chose the. Uh, choose the location based on uh, more of the quality of life than uh, basically the, the business needs because it's uh, more of a modular business. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Okay. So your, your business is uh, product design. So you do design work for uh, big industrial clients. Is that what you yes. do? Yes. Uh, so uh, we started off doing uh, product design for startups in uh, okay. crowdfunding space. Uh, then we moved up the ladder until uh, now we have like one of the Fortune 500, and then uh, we do uh, for them like a s- business solutions. So it's not about designing a specific product; it's about solving a, a business problem. And then uh, it's yeah. So okay, could you give, because I know you can't tell me who your clients are, but can you give me an example about a sort of product that you're designing? Sure. sure. So for example, uh, for a client, uh, we are doing something for the. Um, like uh, for the blind, so they they already have like a lot of products for the for accessibility, like for the visually impaired uh, individuals. But then they wanted uh, to upgrade uh, their product line above the market like standards. Right now, uh, if you if you search around for the products like for visually impaired uh, individuals, you will find that it's mostly expensive. And it's the doesn't uh, basically it's not like in the twenty first century. It's like mm. something which is based on all technolo- older technologies. There is a very little innovation there, and if there is any any innovation, it's always very expensive. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's only you need to have some means to actually get this. 
so they are trying to uh, develop a new product, which is actually almost developed. I think it will be in the market, out in the market, maybe in a couple of months. They are already manufacturing right now in China mm-hmm. and Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the basically, uh, we developed the, the plastic shell, which is the how, how the person will, will interact with the device, like physically, and then the buttons and everything. And then we developed the electronics inside. And then uh, after we do all that, we need to make sure that it's also durable. So basically, if it's drop down, if it's if there's training, uh, and then uh, how how are the person going to interact with it? So for example, uh, we created uh, we created that, that specific product in a modular uh, design. So mm-hmm. basically, the user will be able to replace the battery very easily without being necessarily needing, uh, like for example, to unscrew a lot of stuff or. Uh, uh, needing a lot of visual, uh, like a lot of visual needs, like a lot of products, you need uh, visual uh, visual uh, assistance so you can unassemble or like maintain it like uh, during its lifetime. But for that product, we try to make everything uh, very easily uh, interchangeable. So basically, uh, and it's also is like a one way go. So they don't need to figure out the correct way to put it on uh, mm-hmm. for anything like the battery or the or the other uh, parts of the device. Okay. That's very interesting. So you're developing uh, and designing products for big companies. Where where is your staff? Is your staff in Indonesia or is your staff elsewhere in the world? So we have staff in Indonesia, in Malaysia, uh, in Egypt, in Germany, and uh, uh, very soon we, sh- we should have someone also in Canada. Okay. So how does that work? Because you're here and yeah. they're everywhere in the world. Yeah. So how do you work with them and how is that possible that yeah. you have these people working everywhere yeah. in the world for you? So the basic idea started when we were in Malaysia. A lot of times we uh, maybe were busy doing something else or maybe like uh, not exactly in the same space. So we were talking through, uh, through the internet, right? Like uh, using the uh, video conference. So we, we thought about it like we don't need to confine ourselves only to that space if if it's very easy and very convenient right now to have like a video chat. And basically because of the design, except for the prototyping part, most of the design is done digitally, whether electronics or even mechanical design. So it's mostly done digitally. So we can share the screen so there is no need to be physically in the same space uh, anymore. So uh, the, the second question becomes, do you want to uh, be limited to a specific talent like in a specific location or do you want to... Uh, just uh, open it up and search for everywhere. So whenever we have a new job posting, we normally um, approach people from everywhere just to make sure we get the, the best talent in. So, yeah. So do you have no staff at all here in Indonesia? We have. Uh, so we have one person more than me, uh, one additional person. And we also have a lot of uh, suppliers here in Indonesia and, and elsewhere. What do you need suppliers for? What do they do for you? Uh, they do a lot of things. So some suppliers do the like uh, help us with the digital like stuff. Like maybe it's uh, d- designing special things or uh, sourcing out like some components or some a piece of software. Uh, yeah. So we have suppliers almost every everywhere in China. Uh, basically, most of our suppliers uh, offices in China and some in Malaysia and in Indonesia. And I think some in Europe, yeah. So that's uh, that's the main area we have in supply. And the good thing, uh, being digitally uh, focused, that we have the same framework to communicate with uh, between the t- uh, inter-team communication with the clients and with the suppliers. And also the thing that uh, led us to choose this model is that if we are also locally focused, like most of locally uh, focused uh, design houses, uh, they would also have only local clients. 
because it's the same mindset. You only can communicate face-to-face. Like face-to-face is amazing and great. And most of our clients at one point in time during the, if, before the start of the project or during the project, we meet face-to-face. But to be limited to only have uh, face-to-face meetings uh, every time, then you will only be limited to the local uh, environment. So, and because product design is not as common maybe as something like graphic design, it's like not every business needs a product design. Uh, or a new product or a new innovation. Some businesses just get uh, other products and they repackage it and sell it. So we only focus on new innovation. So we don't take on any product which is like incremental tiny development. We take on like totally uh, revolutionary uh, innovations. So that's not common to, if you are only focused in a local uh, uh, market, then you will dry up uh, out of options like uh, pretty soon. So we try to focus our efforts globally and yeah, and it works fine. That's uh, quite amazing. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, where you're from, and you know how you how you got into product design. And I know that you've you know you're not from Indonesia, and you've been in Malaysia. Maybe you can tell that story yeah, how you so, ended up here in the end. So uh, I'm originally from Egypt. I started uh, uh, production engineering in Alexander University in Egypt, and then uh, before I finished my degree, I actually was into the. Uh, was, was searching for this uh, model like to to live in somewhere where like the quality of life is and the environment is amazing so I searched like uh, researched it all over the globe and then I found out like a few locations one of them was Indonesia but because of the language barrier I couldn't go there directly so I found out that if I go to Malaysia first I can uh, they are uh, English is very common there I can I can learn a language there and then I can move on to Indonesia so that was my plan all along maybe I think about 10 years ago uh so uh, why indonesia though i mean there's other nice I'll tell you, countries because first thing uh, for example in egypt we don't have that harsh of winters but we still have winters and you have to like it's complicated i don't like to to be like restricted with a lot of clothing and stuff so it's i like to be a bit free so uh i like to have summer all the year around uh, so uh, that's why I chose this uh, par- uh, this location. But then uh, I chose Indonesia over other countries in the in the region because of its sheer number, like of growth opportunities. So if you look at because I, I'm more like uh, manufacturing oriented or like uh, more to engineering oriented. So if you look at Indonesia, it's like one of the leading in the region, if not the biggest. Like maybe some other uh, uh, countries have like a cluster of specific uh, niches. Like for example, Singapore, they have like a design niche, uh, but for Indonesia, because of the size and also of the talent, it's uh, the the like, I mean, the landscape of the manufacturing is amazing here. Uh, it's uh, similar to China. So basically, if I didn't choose Indonesia, maybe I would go to China. But the, the thing is, China. Then I will go back to the weather thing. And yeah, and because of the internet, I thought like in the future, I didn't thought that it's gonna be like as good as it now. But I thought like in the future, it wouldn't matter exactly where are you. So basically, you just can choose wherever you want to be. Uh, so uh, after Malaysia, I st- uh, basically that I was doing mostly, uh, uh, I was split like uh, in the beginning I was doing some aerospace research, then I went to, into business research, then I came back into the uh, engineering product design, focused on that, and then yeah, I, I still do that until now. But you, if I if I checked your resume and your LinkedIn profile, you've been working for companies for a while. At what point yes. did you decide to start your own business? Uh, I've decided uh, all along. So basically, uh, while working uh, in these companies, I already have the the planning and also some steps uh, forward. So I started off like uh, scouting the, the the maybe like the freelance market to understand what companies actually need in product design. 
what kind of uh, uh, landscape is available. Is it uh, there enough opportunities? And as soon as I found that uh, there's enough opportunities, so I uh, I moved on to my like focused only on the, my own business. Okay, so how long have you been running your own company? I've been running it like about five years. And no, it's it's incorporated for, in Scotland. I yes, saw. Yes. Why is it in Scotland? Exactly. So going back to the to the modular, like right now, if you if you want to uh, uh, have your business already, uh, as most of the work is done online, right? Whether it's be uh, mechanical design or uh, electronic design. So uh, also for the for the corporates and the banking and everything. Why why not why you have to be confined to a specific location if you already have a global clients and global team. So we chose the the location which is easier easiest to incorporate the and uh, protects IP because for us IP is very important uh, whether it be the company uh, its own trademarks or even the patents and the design so in in Scotland or like in the UK in general not specifically Scotland in the UK in general uh, you can have uh, within I think within a one hour one or two hours you can already. Uh, register a design like obviously it takes the process takes long but i mean the filing itself the filing process is very is very fast either for incorporating for design registration for patent registration everything is very speeded up because they have a full uh, uh full online system so even they are right now they are a step ahead of uh, country, countries like the us i mean the us is is already good enough but they are uh, very much ahead of everyone else and i think the only thing comparable is maybe new zealand and uh, right now, Estonia also is going into the race, but I think the UK is already very established. Uh, they have a very specific laws, so you don't have any gray areas. Everything is very clear, and you can just call them up, and you can clear anything up. So it's amazing. And, and have you used that already? So have you registered trademarks in the, and, and yeah, designs? Yeah, our, our, so our company uh, is actually uh, trademark registered there. So yeah. Okay. And what's what's the name of your company? We strong. haven't spoken uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, so the company is named Marinet. Okay. So it's like M A R and D. Right. So uh, we spoke there with the. So that's going back to the the transparency and uh, ease of uh, like uh, the like the facilitation. How how much assistance they can give you? Like in any country, I don't expect you to have this that much level. Maybe you need the lawyer or something. It's uh, more complicated. So there, we were talking with the examiner for the trademark, and then they suggested us like instead of having a, an abbreviation, we create a new word. So basically, if you have a trademark, this uh, this is something like on the sideline. If you have a trademark for your company, it's very important because uh, if someone is uh, is taking a Twitter handle or an Instagram handle or whatever, you can just bring it back. Especially if they are like inactive account, uh, just like holding it there, so nobody can like uh, maybe blackmail you if they already like uh, registered your own uh, company name. You cannot use it anymore. Or it's even it can be worse if you don't register trademarks. Or if you are in a location where it's not easy to register a trademark and you offset that the task, then someone else might register that trademark and you, you have your own company, but you cannot use your own company name. So that was uh, very important for us at the very early beginning. Okay. Is is there any meaning to Marnt or not? M-A-R-N-A? Yeah. Uh, it was actually an abbreviation of the name, uh, of the names of the founders. But my, my co-founder took off and uh, when we started off because he was doing his master's. So, uh, yeah. But that's it. And there's no, nothing uh, very deep into it. But right. actually, the the good thing that it's uh, very unique and uh, having R and D inside the name of the company, like uh, it's ingrained into our DNA to only focus on research and development of new products. Right. So that's interesting. So you you're in Indonesia mainly for the weather, as you said, because you're yeah. a global global surface yeah. company. Is 
uh, is the talent in Indonesia usable for your company? So in the future, would you foresee recruiting yeah. designers and developers from here? Okay, so I'll let you know on one uh, one of our actually main point pain points uh, is talent sourcing across the globe it's very very hard especially if you're looking for a very specific technical needs like if you are developing something that's already mainstream not a niche like uh, maybe it's a product that's already in the market uh, like graphic design in general graphic design industry graphic design has already been for like decades right uh, but for us each new project is a totally uh, it's totally new challenge it's, uh, it's almost like the only thing that's uh, that's repeatable or like you can have experience about is materials maybe or maybe the, the electronic circuit boards but for the the whole concept and everything how it meshes together it needs something new so it needs someone with a certain mentality like who like only thinks out of the box uh, don't have any limitation to the thinking so for us we we, we we didn't find any any specific country or location to have uh, some advantage over the other. So yeah, it's, uh, but, so I, I don't I don't uh, see any limitation to find talent here. It just depends on the certain individuals. It doesn't depend on the the, the culture. It doesn't depend on the culture at all, almost. Right, and yeah. so you're working with a worldwide team. Yeah. For for projects going forward, would you because the, the certain of certain people that work in that team now have experience working together, right? Yes. So would you reuse the same team for future project projects because they know? Yeah, we always do that. So so basically, uh, most of our team, uh, because also our projects are not like uh, our work is like very uh, innovative, so it's like not like a routine work. So we uh, normally we tap into each each of the team skills depend on the project. So yes, we use the same team, but maybe at different levels. Like someone will be uh, very good at developing the concepts, uh, like uh, theoretically. Uh, someone else will be good at drawing the concepts out. Someone else. So everyone have their own skills. So yes, they they are. Uh, uh, we uh, we have the same team uh, working on each and every project, but not maybe in a different order or uh, depend on different skills. And also the because of new products, we have a lot of new challenges. So sometimes, or like if, even most of the times, we need to outsource. Uh, uh, we need to outsource consultant talents. So basically, we will go if we are, for example, uh, working for something that uh, is to be used in salt water or like in the sea or offshore. So we will ask someone who have been there, who has like uh, have like a few decades of experience in that field, and then they will be giving us. The, the knowledge uh, maybe on like a daily basis like we'll just work with them for a few days just to make sure the design is compliant with the that environment for example would you still call yourself a startup or are you beyond that at the moment do you think uh, I think we're just like a little ahead of the this like the bootstrapping and startup phase uh, but I think we're still like a startup mentality because uh, this uh, uh, I, because I think in the future, ultimately, to go outside from the startup, you still you will need to have an in-house uh, somewhere, uh, even though you still maintain the same modular uh, structure, uh, but you still need to have some some location which is like um, you have like, like for example, right now, uh, some of our teams will have like a workshop, like we have small workshops scattered, so each team member will have uh, works depend on the, their needs. For example, someone is working on a mechanical prototype, so they will have uh, their own workshop for that. And then someone working in electronics, they will have their own workshop for that. So I think at least uh, for like there will be a cluster like a headquarters, and then there will be uh, still this uh, modular team working to support this uh, headquarters. 
that workshop you mean like somewhere where you build the prototypes or yeah someone somewhere where we like assemble like build the whole prototype and then maybe the others are just like only assisting that uh, that place uh, but yeah but right now uh, we still can function with this modular structure right is there have you raised any investors in the company uh, actually we thought about it in the early beginning but right now I don't see foresee any need for that because the thing is the with investment you normally if you need capital but most of our uh, expenses are just like staff salaries and uh, the material the cost of materials so we don't really need any investment in the capital because the maybe i think the the main assets we have is just the computers and uh, subscriptions for the softwares because even you know i think uh, two years back when we started uh, or maybe uh, like before we started like going into deep into the the softwares uh, like for various various components i think in the beginning there you could only get the 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 main like leading high end softwares were only being sold uh, on a one time uh, standalone purchase like it's not subscription based but almost everything right now even for electronics they are going into subscription based so uh we, there is no need to, to have any capital involved and how do you do your marketing so how do clients find you because it, it's a very niche kind of speciality that you're doing how do you make sure that you know people come to you and not to your competitor yeah. so uh, we experienced it with, with a lot of things uh, but the the thing that we found the most useful is actually seo so uh, yeah so that because uh, mostly when we work with bigger companies the they would have their own research teams so they will scout all the design studios and then they will see who is more uh, relevant to their needs and because we do something that's very niche like actually it might seem uh, like uh, very common to have a design studio but most of design studios across the globe even bigger ones like i, I don't want to mention names but like the the very big ones which do do work for uh, big companies like uh, yeah like uh, big, the big known companies for design specifically uh, one company specifically so they would do the uh, more to the aesthetic design uh, they would have engineers on the team but they would do uh, like just a very fine tuning to the to the aesthetic design to make it compliant with the maybe electronics that gonna be put inside or the mechanical parts or the uh, user interface. Do mainly they are focused on the user uh, experience rather than actually how the product works. So yes, that's very great. But if you focus only on one uh, area, then you leave the for your clients. You leave for them the job, like the dirty work, right? Like if you call it that way, like to do all the engineering and all the complicated stuff, which is actually might fail. So they focus on the stuff which always succeed. Because if you do something that aesthetically looks good, and the client says, "Oh, it looks great," then it's, uh, the project is a success for you. But for the client, then you have to figure out all the engineering stuff. So for us, we provide business solutions. So basically, the client will come to us with a problem, uh, be it in house or sometime in their market, like the in their market segment they are targeting. They have this problem. It might be the cost of the materials being used in the other competitors' device or their own devices very different. So we try to challenge the whole concept. So when we do that, we have a lot of engineering and a lot of uh, dirty technical work, like a lot of really hard work to do. And a lot of uh, times it fails, right? So it needs a, a period of development in which you spend a lot of hours, a lot of hard work just to make it work. So, so that's what we are uh, competitive at. So a lot of our competitors or like so-called competitors they just focus on aesthetics and that's where, where our clients find us to be um, like a good fit for them 
So who pays for the experimentation? Is your client paying you on an hourly basis or is it a fixed fee for a project? And if you know if you need more iterations than you thought, basically it's a cost for you. What, who's, who's paying for that? Because of, because of our experience, uh, luckily we already can estimate uh, from the problem how long it's going to take to develop it. So we factor in all the, all the, the failed experiments and all that. So basically, uh, and then we suggest uh, give a proposal to our client and then uh, if they accept, then we do all this stuff. And normally, I think, I don't recall any time we have actually missed the deadline uh, from like our side. Like for example, uh, sometimes the client during mid-project, they have like a change of plans, like they drop a project or like go to a different product. They ask us to work on a different product uh, because of market changes or maybe management decisions. But for from us, because of... Uh, because if we work in a also structured process, so even if there is failure, but if you work it uh, through a structured process, like uh, let's say for example you are working on a on developing a pen, so you know you know a pen will have so maybe it's a very radically new pen, but it must have like ink, right? It's of some sort, maybe it's different, like because there is ball pen, there's like other ink pens, so a, a whole lot different. Maybe you are creating something new. It will have ink. It, uh, if you want it light, then maybe it's gonna be plastic. So you figure out. You already know how how long a plastic shell requires to develop, how long uh, to find an ink supplier, and how long to package that and make it work. So then we factor in all these failures, uh, like the, how, how many iterations it it will take, and then yeah, it's it normally works out. Because so, also uh, we can always put in more hours in if we see that it takes longer time so we can meet the deadlines so usually you you sell your project on a fixed fee fixed time kind of uh, it's, it's not fixed it's a project on project uh, per project basis but i mean uh, but yeah it's fixed like in the beginning we already decide and this also very comforting for our clients because they don't need to worry about the as i said the the technical work the technical headache and the sec- and the tech, uh, the risk for that and the second thing they don't need to worry about extra charges or extra time because most of our clients the the main thing they focus on on time also so if they, we said they're going to finish by that date they don't want to uh, overshoot that date because usually they have like other uh, things planned uh, other like uh, launching uh, the product or or not so from your clients, how many of those are, like maybe percentage-wise, how many of those are like established large industrial companies and how many of those are really startups that are really trying to do something new? For now, we have, I think, about 60% established. Yeah, We try actually, uh, in the beginning, we were focused solely on startups. Now we try to transition into bigger companies. Because for startups, yes, uh, most of them will have uh, uh, very radical new products, so it's very exciting for us and for the team. But uh, the drawback is uh, most of them don't have experience working with uh, with like uh, consultancy or other uh, or agencies. So they will be micromanaging the project uh, and also they, they want to be involved because it's like their heart and soul. So that actually uh, is counterintuitive when you are developing something that's technical, like uh, have a lot of technical aspects then you, you want to be focused on the technical aspects. Yes, yeah, the client uh, is involved in aesthetics and all that, but uh, if during the technical aspects you have a uh, change of heart and all that, it doesn't work. So bigger clients, they are focused on business goals. So as long as you're going to solve the, the problem, whether aesthetically or uh, like functionally for the product, then uh, it's, it's, the, it's okay for them. So And it's okay for I mean, it's, it's better for us to focus on the product than to focus on discussions uh, mid-project.
Yeah, I understand. You were mentioning that one of your most important marketing channels is SEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, since a lot of your work is under confidentiality agreements, I can yeah. understand. I mean, how much of uh, things can you share in public to attract other clients? For instance, if you work for yeah. a mining company and you yeah. develop a, a, a part of a drill, for instance, yeah. that would be very interesting for another mining yes, company, yet true. you cannot say that yeah. I'm working for Shell to develop yes, a true. thing for yeah. mining. So the thing is... Uh, for our clients, they come to us because of this specific thing that we do, the technical work, uh, and get they don't have to deal with that headache. So uh, we don't need to, to share a lot. We just share this information. And then uh, after the first meeting, they obviously can see the technical experience and what we can do for them. So it works out. So we don't need to share. A lot. Uh, I think in the future, uh, we try to share like some uh, some articles on the blog to, to get like a more high ranked in the search. But I think that's the basic niche because if you search for all other uh, competitors, most of them, uh, you will find out that they don't do this. Uh, when you dig deep, you will find that they don't do this uh, technical thing. And most of also of the of the prospect, the, obviously they will email us in the beginning and then they will find out if we can do the, solve this problem or no. So if they go to somewhere else and they tell, oh, can you solve this problem? We say, sure, we can develop a good looking product and then we will refer you to someone else to do the technical work for you or like you can do it, you can search for someone to do it or something like that. Yeah, well, what you're saying is that the real power is in integrated design, right? Yes. So the functionality needs yes. to be as good as the so design itself. So it's like itself. almost A to Z. So yeah, so that's why uh, the clients are very happy to to have a very low risk because they just pay the deposit and then we do the project for them. So it's a very low risk for them. Besides uh, this design company, M-I-R-N-D, uh, what other interests do you have? Do you have other business interests? Do you have other things that you do in positions that you hold? So I think the the most interesting thing, thing to me right now is uh, actually the 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 business itself like managing the business like in the beginning I thought it's like going to be a headache but actually it's became an interest to me so I now read a lot of business books and I try to understand especially like if I uh, read biographies like about Ford and uh, and others I can uh, it's very inspiring and amazing so yeah it's, it's the journey itself is amazing so that's, that's that's more the business side than the the, yeah, the design it side it is it is yeah and what what are your what are your goals then for that business? What, where do you want to take this company in the next five years? Well, in the next five years, hopefully, uh, we plan to develop uh, like a more. Uh, so basically, our process is, is developing because as as we are developing also uh, innovative products, we are developing our process into an, an innovative uh, structure in a way that it's uh, it's much more uh, faster because most of clients uh, they have the resources and they are willing to to add more to the project. Uh, but the, the 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 only thing that's limited for everyone is time, and uh, the problem with development uh, everywhere is that it's uh, very time constrained. So even very very big companies uh, like Apple or whatever, uh, they take like between five and ten years to develop a single project. So they start from the scratch and then develop it further. So we try to develop our process in such a way that the project can be uh, much faster. So right now, I think. It takes to to develop a product from scratch, like a new product, depend on the complexity, anywhere between six months to two years. So two years would be if the pro, if the product have like three elements, like mechanical, uh, electronic, and also software. Um, but if the product maybe have only mechanical and electronics, maybe it only takes one year. If it have only like um, uh, mechanical, then maybe it's like six months. And the problem with development is that it's limited uh, not only by the, the process, but also by the manufacturing ability, uh, either for prototypes or uh, 
even for uh, uh, communication and sourcing from the suppliers because uh, obviously you cannot manufacture everything from scratch inside the product otherwise it will be a waste of time so you try to to source as as many modules or product like uh, a simple thing as a fastener right you still need to wait a couple of days for it to arrive as that specific uh, dimension so this stuff we try to to find ways to eliminate this uh, like t- wasted time so hopefully within five years we can grow like be uh, uh, first thing the brand we want to make ex- uh, we want to have exposure uh, better exposure for the pl- brands like right now we only have like one fortune 500 company hopefully we have uh, like a lot more later so yeah something like that and is the grow is your is the growth of your business limited to you or do you think that if you get more involved in the business side of it and less in the design side of it you can be the one that grows the business with the team that you have uh, I think ultimately after five years hopefully I wouldn't be directly involved with the business like on a necessity basis I will be just uh, only like maybe uh, as a designer I would prefer that actually even though I love uh, business and it's becoming more and more interesting for me I would be uh, more glad to be like uh, involved on part time basis on the product and then I will be uh, hopefully developing something uh, else in the future like also related to design maybe uh maybe uh, like a, a future i will focus on one single product that's in we developed in-house and then i will uh, try to grow that like uh, into a like a separate company okay very interesting um would you see yourself is there like in this in this space that you're in are there like ways to go up the value chain or down the value chain yes. that you can add to your business like yeah, yeah so so right now uh basically if you if you want to work uh it's, it starts from the technical work so if you only do uh basic stuff like for example uh maybe uh you are doing the the dra- drafting work like sometimes uh, in, the, in the factories in china they will have the ability to change design a little bit so that's we already way above that because uh, we develop uh, completely new products uh, from scratch so uh so that's that's the way to go so the higher level is actually being able to do more stuff in an in-house it doesn't mean uh, local uh, i mean it can be also like the same modular structure but to be able to do it under the managed umbrella so maybe instead of having some of the prototypes like uh, for example right now we don't have uh, uh, like a 3d printer uh, which is sls like using the powder which is much more accurate so we still need to wait for that so it takes like one or two weeks just to get some parts in um, so we can do it toward the end of the project but not every time uh, so if we have some stuff like this in house then the, the the value goes up because most of the the competitors they also do the same thing they outsource this stuff because it's a headache uh, it's not only about the, the machine capital cost it's also about the, like handling these machines and stuff so if you can actually manufacture the the prototypes in full in house then it's much much better the second level up uh the value chain it doesn't necessarily have to be for us but maybe for someone else is that if you if you build b- uh bigger like uh n- not just for only for prototyping but maybe for short runs a lot of big companies uh especially for the fortune 500 i would imagine that they would uh require short runs for their uh, specific need like for example if you look at general electric right they are developing this giant wind uh, turbines so this this wind turbines they don't need to uh, manu- if they need a single part for each wind turbine uh they don't need to manufacture like uh, hundreds of thousands of that part they just need to manufacture a, a number equivalent to the number of wind tunnels they are install uh, wind turbines they are installing 
So basically, for the if you are capable, if you are a design studio, but also capable of producing the short run, the risk for the this bigger company to to employ you or to take take uh, give you the project, award you the project, it will be very minimal because then they, they they give you the idea, the problem, you give them the whole the whole thing like totally from A to Z, like hundred percent. So I think that would be uh, like the, the most high in the value chain. Even though it seems like you are uh, taking up some stuff from the lower uh, end of the value chain, like manufacturing, but actually it's uh, from the client side, when they look at it, it they seem like it's a very high-end solution. Are, you're providing everything. Great. Well, Hassan, thank you so much for the interview. I've got one more question for you, and that is uh, if people want to get in touch with you or uh, Marn Studio to use your services, what's the best way to reach out to you? So they can just email us at uh, studio at uh, com. Great. So I spoke to uh, Hassan, director of Martin Studio. You've heard about his journey of uh, building a design company incorporated in Scotland, uh, employees all over the world uh, and living in Indonesia because of uh, the lifestyle here. Yeah. And clients also all over the world. And clients all over the world. I wish you all the best and I hope your dreams for the next five years uh, come to fruition and um, we'll be uh, you know, interviewing you again in five years, uh, maybe somewhere else in the world. So. Thank you so much. Thanks so Thank much. You much for that. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.